seat and grab a glass. Millennial Sun Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass, open up. If you like how it's feeling, catch the fire, turn it up. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial Sun Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Sun Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass, open up. If you like how it's feeling, catch the going on everybody it's isis daniel also known as the millennial sum and we are here for season two of the millennial sum podcast y'all i'm just so excited to be back i mean honestly i know i came out with the episode back in march but y'all i just wasn't feeling it you know when you do stuff you got to make sure your heart is in it and you want to make sure that you're putting out content that you actually believe in well <laughs> well sons do i have something to tell you i am excited to be back because not only are we doing a little bit more i mean last season y'all was just hearing me talk for the most part now we got guest you know, I'm excited to have, you know, a, a, I have a great lineup for you guys, honestly. So we're going to get into that. But then also, if you don't know, I guess you've been under a rock and you also have been following your girl on Instagram, which you doing. But at the Millennial Sum, make sure you follow me on all social media platforms, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Facebook is not the answer. Not on Facebook. I don't even know why I said that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. At the Millennial Song, make sure you guys are checking me out because I announced that I'm moving to Paris. Y'all. So let's go ahead. I'm gonna give y'all the quick overview for the people who didn't know what, you know, what happened, how and why I'm going to Paris and what's the goal. But number one, right now I'm here in Sicily. Okay, I am in Italy on a press trip. And um, it's kind of ironic to be back in the space because this place, Sicily, Italy, was the place where this idea of moving abroad to Europe began. Back in March, I took a solo trip to um, Sicily, which really just Italy. I started in Sicily, went up to the mainland, Tuscany, took the train all the way back down the ferry across the street, really across the water, and um, back to Sicily. But during this trip, I discovered um, that the information that we learned about wine culture here in Europe just wasn't accurate. All right. They told us, oh, yes, in Europe, they really care about wine. It's in their blood. Young people drink it. It's da da da, all the great things. And the truth is, when I came out here, I was talking to people about it, especially the young folk. And they were like, I mean, I'm more interested in like, you know, spirits and craft beers and all of that. And, you know, they pretty much had the same um idea of wine as our young folk young folk being 40 and younger all right i know that sounds crazy but millennials are in their 40s <laughs> yanks so anyway so they said the same things that we say we feel kind of disconnected it feels like it's for the older generation it's really stuck on tradition we want to be able to explore and have fun and not feel like we have to be stuffy um we want bang for our buck we're willing to invest but how do we know like you know all the same questions they were having we are having. And so I decided, hey, how about I just go to, to Europe and really get to know their wine culture so that we can kind of compare notes on American wine culture, European wine culture, and get some freaking answers. So right now I am conducting a um, research, a case study on 
reimagining young wine culture. If you're interested in investing in this uh, in this research, please, I have a GoFundMe going on because right now I'm funding this case study on my own, but I'm also funding a education. <laughs> I also applied to a, um, a wine program in France, got in, um, and I'm going after my WSET, Wine Spirit Education Trust, diploma, level four. I'm super excited about it. I am putting everything up on my own, out of pocket. But I decided that if I'm going to go live in Europe, I need purpose. So I'm going to do this case study. I'm going to go after my diploma. And I'm taking y'all on the journey with me. I noticed that when I was in Italy before, how much love y'all gave me just for being out of the country. I thought that was crazy and wild. But I also feel like there's something that I'm going to discover in this time that I'm in Europe. And I'm going to be here, you know, my, the program's two to three years. So I might be here two to three years, might be here shorter, just still going to my classes. So I'll keep y'all updated on what happens. But this podcast has taken a little bit of a shift. You know, my mission is to nurture the evolution of wine culture and community. And I've learned and realized that in order to address this need, we need to figure out where we are and dis discuss where we want to be. I think that we have a lot of different narratives going around. And instead of just saying, hey, you know, the interest in wine is declining and consumers are not consuming as much wine anymore. Yes, we know that. We've been knowing that for years. That's not anything new, right? When we say there's a disconnect with young wine consumers, yeah, guess what? That's also not new. What I haven't heard are reasons, tangible reasons why there's a disconnect, and also really asking young folk, what do you want? Again, young folk, you guys are 40 and under. Millennials are in their 40s and I am catering to y'all. You know, we do have to cater to Gen X, y'all out there as well. But honestly, the disconnect is with millennials and younger. And so we need to really zero in and figure out why are we here and what do you want and how can we have a happy medium and provide a tangible, workable, flexible plan to get people interested in wine because I mean, I really believe that, um, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I guess I might be a wine professional, but I actually love wine. I think that there's so many different styles and expressions out there that will fit every person's need. You know, it just, ah, I want people to love wine just as much as I do. And it just, it's, it breaks my heart to hear people's reasons for not liking wine. And it's just like basic yo, we got to cater to the people. We got to go to where they are and create an environment that best fits them. So y'all, I'm in this hotel room. Y'all hear cars hunking and things happening. I don't know if you can or not. We are going to be going on this ride together while I'm in Europe. So right now I'm in Sicily. I'm back in Sicily on a press trip, which is kind of funny because this whole idea of moving to France started or moving to Europe started in Sicily. And then these few months later, now I am in Sicily and going to be going to Paris immediately after this for my level four WSET program. So y'all buckle up. I'm conducting this research. I'm going to school. I want to share every detail of this journey with y'all. So we're going to be doing check-ins on this podcast of everything that's going on with this research. But then we're also going to end these podcasts with 
interviews with people around the world who love wine, are connected to wine, um, are inspired by wine, or simply just like to drink it. Come on now. Um, So y'all, we're going to go ahead and get into this next segment, but I just want to make sure you know. This podcast is taking a shift and I want to take y'all with me. So if there's any questions you have about this research, any questions you have about culture, um, anything, y'all just let me know so we can make sure that we are addressing this in the research, but also addressing it for y'all. Creating a new wine culture is not going to be a thing that just depends on me. It depends on us coming together and being honest about our experiences and being honest about what we wish to see and what we hate seeing. But we can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. And I'm all about figuring out what those tangible next steps are for us. So let's work together and get into it. (laughs) If you're interested in supporting, again, I'm going to put the link below for the GoFundMe. And if you want to be um, a part of this study, I am also collecting, you know, emails for my mailing list so that you guys can be up to date that way as well. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into the next segment because y'all, we got guests. (laughs) We got guests, so let's go ahead and um, see what's going on. Next. (laughs) Anina Belgianini is a Canadian-American sales, marketing, and PR executive, food writer, photographer, and passionate home cook. In addition to her role as director of public relations for Four Seasons Hotel, Washington, D.C., Anina Bell fuels her creativity with her food blog, La Chef's Wife, On the blog, she translates her husband's French recipes into simple, delicious meals for busy home cooks like herself. How are you doing, my love? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, Isis. It's so wonderful to be sitting here talking with you this afternoon. Thank you for joining me. You know, we connected, what, about a year two ago? ago, Maybe, A year and a half, maybe? A year and a half. But I will tell you guys, you know, talking directly to the listeners, how you doing? Thank you for listening. Um, I absolutely love you, you know, (laughs) seriously. And um, I love your energy and you know how much I am obsessed with your love story, which of course we will get into. But I honestly want to, before we all the way jump in, I want people to get to know you a little bit more. So tell the people who you are outside of what I've already said. (laughs) Um, wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And the feeling is mutual. I love how you make wine approachable and fun and sexy and cool. And I think that that is about time. And I love your fresh approach to it. So continue doing what you're doing because it's it's amazing. And it really touched me when I started discovering your videos, I think on Instagram or on TikTok, maybe in the few five minutes that I've spent. Man, one of the two. Right. TikTok, child. It's a whole different conversation. Go ahead, though. Oh, my gosh. I, I struggle. Um... <laughs> But I really enjoyed your approach to it and how you made these little skits out of it and took on personas and just really broke down the barriers of wine. And as someone who grew up in a wine region, loves wine um, and knows how intimidating wine can be, I think that's really refreshing. So way to go. Um, Oh my gosh, of course. Uh, So yes, I kind of let in. I grew up in a wine region. I grew up in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, Canada. Mm -hmm. I am a farmer's daughter. I grew up on an organic orchard, which at the time, early 90s, was very unique. There were no other organic orchards. I did not Um, Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, It was really, we were doing something very different and it did not um, really it was not very welcomed by the community to come in and not spray our orchard every single week, um, to not do all the practices that other orchards were doing. And so my father, who was a pioneer of biodynamic and um, biodynamic and organic farming, 
was really bucking the trend. But those are where my first food memories ever came from, was like mm. biting into a peach that is the size of your head, that is fresh off the tree and it's hot. And the oh. juice just runs down your forearms. That's where Talk I fell in love dirty with dirty to me. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, we even had a juice company at one point that was called Anina's Organic Apple Juice. And when I was a 12 year old girl, I would go with my father to the farmer's markets and to Whole Foods at the time, it was called Capers, um, and ask people to uh, to sample my juice. And so I got into this conversation about food and um, appreciation of food from a very young age. Mm, you know, I'm actually curious. I have to pivot or dive a little deeper into that. You know, you are a fabulous photographer. And so I, what I love about any person who is in art, whether it's photography, painting, graphic design, it's all about the eye. Mm -hmm. I want to know if you can remember the moment you saw food and you saw it in a different way that made you say, oh my gosh, I have to capture this. Do you remember that moment? I don't think I remember that one moment because it started very, very young. Um, and I remember my dad giving me my grandma's camera at a very young age. I was not even 14 and I was taking photos with an old black and white camera. Um, my husband often jokes that when we met, I was always saying, I want to take a photo. I want to stop. I want to take a photo. I'm fascinated with how food is made. And when I think of my first food memories, it is a big bowl of cherries that I'm pitting with my mother to make jam or pie. It is that peach on the tree. It is the grapes on the vine in the Okanagan Valley that's sloping over, you know, into the lake. It's just absolutely stunning. And that's really where my eye, I think, developed for food. And so meeting a handsome chef, okay. it kind of like all blended together. Yeah. Um, so I already had that deep love and appreciation of food and also respect for the people that make food. Yes. Um, starting from the producers, starting from the farmers, um, and, and then of course extended to the chefs. Mm hmm. It's so amazing. I mean, I'm going to take a moment to just say so Sebastian. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, it's, I can only imagine how he felt when he discovered your love for food. I mean, I know he looked at you and said, Oh my gosh, she is fine, right? And he, I know. <laughs> I was 23. We were so young. <laughs> hey, now, young and vibrant. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> not the same thing. I, that came out wrong. But still, I know that he was attracted to you. But I. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear his words, you know, like from his mouth about that moment when he was like, wait a minute, she loves food just as much as I do. <laughs> right? Like, tell me, how was, do you remember when that clicked for you both? Like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is us. Yes. We're um, our first dining experience, like our first date, actually, um, he had asked me out when we first met. I was an exchange student in the south of France, and I had to interview him because he was executive chef of a five-star hotel in, outside of Cannes. And um, apparently he fell in love with me with my handshake okay. because I looked him right in the eyes and gave him a serious, I'm in business school kind of handshake. And, um, and he fell in love with me right there, apparently. Um, and he asked me out and I said I couldn't go out with him because my mom was coming from Canada and I wanted to spend time with her. So he then invited my mom and I to a 10 course meal at his five star hotel. Um, and it was in this room, it was L'Auberge La Vignette and it's an actual medieval castle. It was only lit by candlelight and all had this medieval feel to it. It was incredible. And it was a 10 course or 11 course meal. Um, and every single course was exquisite. And I think it's from that first moment where he says, wow, not only 
do we get along and we enjoy each other um she really loves food mm -hmm. because i enjoyed every single drop of that course and our relationship has been that sense has been just an incredible love letter to food and wine um yeah so was this union of you two the shift to focus on wine i know at the time you said you were in business school but meeting him you're like you know what we can do the business but we're also going to eat well is that what happened no actually i mean that's a very slow shift we've been together for 18 years and it's only really now that i'm finding my voice in food um because because of him i had to find a way to stay in the south of france and when i dreamt of working in the south of france i thought that i was going to work for like don perignon or like one of the luxury mm -hmm. um wine uh purveyors and that's really what my dream was, was to, was to do wine marketing, luxury wine marketing um, or champagne. And uh, I realized that those jobs were not there. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, they're in Paris or Champagne. Right. Um, and so I found luxury hotels. And so I started off as a reservations agent and then um, revenue manager, then sales manager and sales director and then director of sales and marketing. And each time, though, I was blending my love of food and hospitality um, and in with my career so i was doing business mm -hmm. um and continue to do business every day but in a in an environment that was very much in alignment with what i love which is food and wine and travel oh my gosh okay so here's the next okay um you are <laughs> in luxury and i love that for you okay to just exist in a luxury space every day is just <laughs> goals anyway i mean i'm just honest we're working towards it. We're going to get there. But anywho, <laughs> um, with you, I would love to know um, more about how love of wine and food shaped your mm -hmm. career in luxury um, hospitality. I know you kind of touched on it, but give me a little bit more. Yeah, I think hospitality is a lot about, um, and especially hospitality sales, because that's what I was in, mm -hmm. is a lot about relationships and a lot about building relationships with people um, and sharing experiences. And there's no better way to build relationships than to break bread together. Absolutely. And to, um, when you're a sales manager or a director of sales, you travel a lot. I traveled a lot when I was working my way up in hotels, I was traveling two weeks out of every month. Um, and so you have the, you live these incredible experiences with people all over, all over the world. And I find that food is a, um, it brings people together just like wine does. It brings people together. And it doesn't matter if you have completely different backgrounds, if you share a meal, if you share a moment, you remember that mm -hmm. and you know just like the meal that we shared yes. um last june about Beaujolais, that was so much fun mm -hmm. but you you place a person with that moment and there's no stronger memory in my mind than a memory that evokes smell and taste and touch and food and wine do all of those things um so i think that that's really and also just the diversity of my background the fact that um uh i grew up on a farm but also was dancing ballet and love opera and like i, could, I have a whole bunch of cards to pull from thanks to my parents mm -hmm. um and the way that my life has gone of traveling and living in five different countries now um it i could find common points with people and so that helped me in my in my hotel career but i've always kind of oriented towards food and wine always because it's the heart i mean honestly no matter what industry you go into Food and wine will always make its grand appearance, you know? Um, so I have some news. Okay. <clears throat> so the funny thing is when this episode comes out, I'm going to just say it. I'm not sure if I officially announced it yet or if I'll be announcing with this podcast. However, Isis Daniel is moving to Paris. 
um, to, yes, for my level four diploma WSCT. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And so I knew when I interviewed you, I had to <laughs> let you know, because if you can give me your juju so I can meet my Frenchman. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's, I'm just no, but I just, you, you never know. That's really, literally what happened to me. Um, mm. uh, I'm so excited for you. That's amazing. How long are you going to be in Paris for the... So the duration of the program is two years, and I decided to move there for two years. I love that for you. And um, A, props for going for level four. That's huge. Thank you. That's major. I'm, I'm scared and excited and all the emotions. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that for you. And I think it's going to be an incredible journey. I'm excited to follow along. Um, and really excited for you to discover France as uh, a person living there, not just the short holiday version but the really like yes. get to know the culture i fell in love with the french culture obviously because i still write about obviously. it 18 years mm -hmm. later um even though we've been out of france now for 10 years but i think just the wow. ability to seize the moment and to make feel feel make people feel special is mm. so wonderful um don't be afraid if you don't meet friends right away it takes a little bit of time you'll start with your expat friends mm -hmm. um <laughs> but then once you like crack the nut of french um, social, mm -hmm. uh, cues. It's amazing. There is, it's, it's incredible. It's, wow. it feels very real. Um, the friendships are very real. You get me so excited. Um, oh, I would so love to know more. I mean, you kind of touched on it, but that transition while you were in boarding, I mean, I said boarding school, that transition <laughs> while you were in business school, right. And you go yeah. over, um, I would love to know how did you prepare for that shift? Especially not even then when you decided to stay, you know, how did you prepare for that? Oh, I, I don't think there's any preparation in the sense that it happened so quickly. We were engaged, we met a month and a half into my exchange and we were engaged a month and a half later. He didn't want me to move back to Canada and I actually never moved back home. Um, mm. So we were figuring it out as we went. And um, we were young and naive enough to be like, this can work, totally. Um, sure. It, fortunately, it did. Um, and it's, yeah, I think there's nothing that can prepare you. Although I will say that the fact that I had taken French immersion lessons when I was in school, that definitely helped. Um, the fact that I had, uh, yes, are you a member of Alliance Française? Okay, there we go. Okay, so what you guys don't see, <laughs> because I have to remember this is a podcast, I am showing her my notes for my French class because we oh, have started. Okay. Love that. Verbs, everything. That, that's the key. <laughs> that's really the key. Understand, being able to speak the language with them is, is key. And even just being able to show that you're trying. Um, the French are notoriously abrupt, um, and but they appreciate if you try. And I think that's that's really wonderful. It's showing respect. Um, you know, I don't even think you need to skate through that. I think it's important to talk about, right? But there are three social rules in France which you cannot break. And often Americans break them without realizing it and then are shocked that um, French are rude to them. And they don't realize that they actually have already offended the French person. So you always have to say bonjour. 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 Like even if you are walking into a store and you don't see anybody, you say a random bonjour to everyone that may be in the vicinity. Um, and that, if you don't do that, if you don't first acknowledge the person, if you don't first say bonjour, Isis, and then ask your question, you are mortally offending them. And they will respond with rudeness. 
So just always say bonjour and then always merci and au revoir. Um, it's just common politeness, but often as Americans, we're like, excuse me. And we think that that's really sweet. We're like saying, excuse me, do you have this in the size eight? They're like, say hello first. They say, Don't acknowledge talk to me. me as a person, <laughs> not as a store attendant. Um, yeah. I'm a person. And so that's really, it's important to always say bonjour. So that way of living, because you know, in America, we are go, 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 everything's so quick, yeah. right? Um, how has that helped your expertise and experience in the hospitality space? Um, I think I actually, I really loved spending my 20s in the south of France because it taught me a work ethic. Mm -hmm. um, it's not okay to just do enough, to be like, oh, ça va, it's, it's, it's close enough. Close enough does not ex exist in France. You, If you do something, you do something well and you put yourself into it. And so it really taught me to go above and beyond um, because they're less uh, concerned about efficiency and much more concerned about quality. And so again, food, wine, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that wine takes years to get into a bottle. Um, you know, I love mm -hmm. that really good food takes some time to prepare and you're not going to have it right at the push of a button. Um, and so I think that that work ethic was really uh, formative for me. And then also being, I definitely do not want to underplay the strength of being an anglophone in a francophone environment or vice versa because you are right. unique you are different i had a different skill set and if you can hone into that um i was selling to the us and the uk and canadian market and so i had a competitive edge because i was surrounded by francophones um that didn't have the cultural references and experiences and ability to laugh off the cuff with clients as well as i could yeah it's all about personal connections um <clears throat> And I think people miss that. I had a conversation the other day about networking and how in the beginning of my uh, business journey, I had a very difficult time networking because it felt phony. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm more of a person's person, right? People, people person. And I want to be able to meet you and to know you and to mm -hmm. break bread with you, right? And mm -hmm. then figure out, okay, how can we collaborate? How can we support one another? I feel that we in the States lack that. And I'm excited for this next journey to go to Europe and to be in Paris and to travel throughout Europe, right? But to um, be able to make that those kind of connections because I feel like it's valued more. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Yes, definitely. It really is that connection of people um, more than, you know, you do not lead with a business card. Often you'll you'll meet someone multiple times and have no idea what they do. Um, whereas okay. in the States, in, in Washington, DC, very often you it's introduce. like right away. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do, what can we do for each other? Um, so it's, it's different, it's definitely very different. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, what's funny. I, I was going back and forth. I was going to say this, but, and then when you go to other parts of the States, you get a different version of the mm -hmm. same thing. When I went to LA for the first time, I was so shocked because you know, when people introduce themselves, I'm used to DC where they're like, this is my name. This is what I do. Yeah. They're like, this is my name. And this is who I'm related to, or this is who I know. Yeah. And so it's almost like, this is my network. You want to connect with me because of all the people I know. Yeah. So very interesting. I don't know. So I want to go back because you were talking about working in excellence. And one thing I know for sure that you do in excellence. Okay. Le chef's wife. Aww. Talk to us about that. Le <laughs> um, chef's wife came to me. It was an idea that came to me in the middle of the night. Um, and 
it's after I had my daughter that I really dove into it because um, my daughter was blessfully a napper and I found myself on maternity leave, even though it's only a few short months in the United States, but with a little bit of extra time um, and space to think because before I had always been so go, 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 go. And mm -hmm. um, it also gave me the time to sit down and cook with my husband, which I absolutely love doing. Instead of one of us cooking the meal and the other one coming in at the last minute and enjoying it with them, um, we got to cook together. And I just realized the wealth of knowledge that he is. Um, mm -hmm. His training, he started cooking in kitchens when he was 14 years old and has worked his way up in Michelin star kitchens. And he was, um, he represented France in the Bocuse d'Or competition and was coach of Team Canada for the Bocuse d'Or. Like there's a lot of, there's a huge wealth of culinary knowledge and especially south of France and French Riviera culinary knowledge. Um, and I, really enjoy writing and I really enjoy photography so it started with me taking photos and sharing that on Instagram and then people would always ask me for the recipe mm. and that's where the idea for the blog came because I was sharing I was typing them up on stories and then they would disappear 24 hours later right. so the blog came about in 2018 and I really just started with the idea of making French Riviera food simple and making French Riviera food approachable and French Riviera food is a lighter healthier version of French food as we think of it. Um, you know, often when we think of French food in, in the United States, it's peu bourguignon or it's French onion soup gratiné or mm -hmm. it's heavier, more Lyonnais or Parisian style, Northern France style cooking. Um, whereas French Riviera is much closer to Spanish, Italian, uh, Mediterranean. Um, they have all these influences that converge there. And so that really became my passion project. And it started off just, you know, Every once in a while, I would post a blog post to really building up the consistency and now becoming something that I'm so proud of and that my daughter identifies with as well, that I just, I love, I love. Everyone, I have to say this for the listeners, you have no idea how much her eyes just lit up while she was talking, okay? And this is why I do what I do. Don't make me cry. And I actually feel that way right now because <laughs> passion, you, it, it's important that you discover what brings you joy. Mm. And it's even greater when you're given the opportunity to profit off of it, of course, within reason, because I think as Americans, we kind of take that too far. It's important that you keep the organic excitement. And knowing that your daughter is even interested in it lets me know that you still have that same drive and love and passion. So I have to ask the question because somebody's thinking it. You're working with your husband. Is he driving you crazy or is he driving you crazy? Which one is it? Uh, depends on the minute <laughs> or the day. Um, no, sometimes we do. Actually, we've gotten much, much better at working together. Um, it, it's a choreographed dance now. Um, mm -hmm. And... You know, we did a recipe this weekend and I'm so proud of it. And I, I, yeah. I love the photos that came out and we didn't bicker. Sometimes it's funny, like I'll, I'll, I'll listen to my phone re um, videos afterwards. And I'm like, we were bickering during that one. Um, <laughs> like I'll have to put the sound over that. And it's, you have to figure out your way. Um, and, you know, I want to get the shot. He wants to make the perfect recipe and going through the motions is you have to figure it out. But then once you do, I mean, it's, it's amazing what we're able to create together. I'm really excited about. When am I coming over for dinner? Like, why are you playing with me? You are Let's up the street this. for right now. <laughs> <Let's do this. laughs> we need to do this before I'm gone. Okay. Yes. When are you leaving? 
Classes start for my my program October 11th. However, I'm planning to be there mid-September. So we're still figuring out the logistics. I just got accepted a couple weeks ago. And so it's just like, okay, now like my life is changing overnight. Yeah. It's it's a stressful change, but I'm so excited about it. I think it's just, it's natural to feel a little anxious about something like this. Of course. You know? Incredibly. Yeah. It's incredibly natural to feel anxious about that. You are moving to a new country and likely without your family and friends and just it's just me picking up your stuff and going. No, I remember that feeling. And it was a I had a pit in my stomach when my two best friends brought me to the airport in Vancouver when I was coming for the exchange program and I had a pit in my stomach that was unbelievable. Um did you know deep down that your life was going to change forever? You know, sometimes in life we have these inklings that that tell us that there's a shift that's getting ready to happen. I, I don't know. I experienced that. So I was just wondering if you had the same thing. I dreamt it. You did? I dreamt it. I think I, I probably made some jokes about how I was going to meet a handsome freshman, as we all do, right? Right. Um, Girl can dream. Come on now. <laughs> I dreamt it. And maybe I dreamt him into, uh, at least I was open and receptive to meeting him at that time. Um, mm. I think if I had not been open and receptive, we could have very easily just been two shifts in the night. Um, but we were both, at the right time, the right place, and gave each other the space to be like, this is cool. Like, let's try this out. Um, you know, I want to know a little bit more. I mean, just speaking of your intimacy, right, and how you guys got together. I remember reading how you guys used to um, cook in a very small kitchen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I would like to know how you made that work and how even being in that kind of environment has impacted you know, everything that you do together, you know, as a couple and also as a um, business partners. Again, it's like a choreographed dance. You figure out how to move around each other. I'll never forget um, in our apartment in Nice, we had a beautiful apartment overlooking all of the port of Nice and Mm -hmm. and the Mediterranean Sea, but it was small. Um, And my mom and my sister were over for dinner. So it was very important. And in my husband's eyes, he was putting a lot into cooking and preparing and I happened to spill three glasses of wine on the floor, broke the glasses, um, made the floor all sticky. And he was just like, because all of a sudden now he's cooking, he's trying to do a really nice meal and he's stepping on the floor that's like sticky and there's you glass can hear and he's it. just like, <laughs> like yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> it was not good. Um, needless to say, I never did that again. I mean, accidents happen. But we figured out how to move around each other. And Mm -hmm. I know when to give him space. He knows when to give me space. Um, And it's also respect. Like, uh, he's often, well, no, I'm often leading cooking in the kitchen um, when we're at home. Or else he's teaching me something new. And and it just feels organic. Like, I, I cook in a small kitchen and we just got used to it. It's always just finding your rhythm with someone and um, learning how to be in their space and we got used to being in a small space together from an early age you know knowing that um you do cook right and i think um being in hospitality especially you know i've had my share of chef friends and you know (laughs) whenever you go to their house usually at least the single ones there's like nothing in the refrigerator they don't want to cook they don't want to do anything because they are exhausted and tired but I think that it adds great balance, you know, knowing that you're willing to come in and you and you love to cook and you love food. And it's just like 
we can work together. You go work. I'm going to cook yeah. here. But if you want to teach me something new. It's relaxation for me. Yeah. It's, um, I don't meditate. I'm not able to meditate. Haven't been able yet to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, but it's a I discipline. Love, it's, it's a discipline and my mind goes. Yeah. Um, but I love chopping vegetables. I love prepping. I love cooking. I love pouring myself a glass of wine and um, putting on some music and making something yummy. That's, that's my love language. Yeah. Um, and Le Chef's Wife was really just an extension of that, of saying, okay, if I can learn how to cook with no formal cooking training, other people can learn how to cook too. And they can cook beautiful meals at home without the stress. And that's really my obsession too, is sharing those tips and tricks of how not to be stressed in the kitchen. Right. Um, because there's nothing worse than like, turning on the heat, putting the oil in the pan and you've got the onions already, but then you don't have the meat ready. And then the onions are burning and Mm -hmm. the garlic is burnt before you can add the meat in. So it's really, you know, classic kitchen techniques of mise en place, setting up your workstation, um, preparing things in advance. You can taste stress. I mean, I know that might sound crazy, um, but I know with me, I like the same way, same thing you explained just now. I like a glass of wine. I listen to my music. Believe it or not, fun fact about Isis, if I'm cooking, I'm probably listening to country music. Stop. I'm so sorry. Did you know I love country music? What'd you say? You do? Did you know I love country music? I did not know that. I don't even Uh, know. My playlist is all country. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) My music, I'm all over the place when it comes to my musical taste, but when I cook... I love country music. I don't know. It just makes the food. It's the extra seasoning on the side or something. I don't know what it does. So in France, I got even more attached to country music because for me, it felt like home. It doesn't matter. I was driving along the road to Monte Carlo uh, to get ready for work or going to work. And I would listen to Cowboy Take Me Away. Come on. Um, (laughs) Yes. You know, it was that kind of thing. Um, It just, it made me feel at home. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we have to get ready to wrap up now. Okay. So I would like to know a little bit of, I want, we're going to have a little fun. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh What are, I know, right. You're just like, she didn't tell me about this. What is she about to ask me? I would like to know if it's going to be difficult, you can give me top five, but I would like to know your favorite dish that you have featured. Okay. On La Chef's Wife. What is your favorite dish so far? Oh my gosh. Um, there's so many. Up to five, if it's too, if it's too hard. Okay. Roast chicken. Okay. Everyone should know how to do a roast chicken. A roast chicken is amazing, and it's so quick to put together and so tasty. Um, La daube niçoise, absolutely love it. It's pasta with stewed beef um, that has orange zest and red wine. It's like a boeuf bourguignon, but um, French Riviera style, so that's amazing. The branzino with vierge sauce, so... Um, oven cooked branzino, a roasted branzino with vier sauce, which is the most amazing, like salsa made of tomatoes and capers and olives and basil and sh- uh, shallots. And it's just so, so, so good. Come on. Um, also, the moelleux au chocolat, uh, Sebastian's um, chocolate moelleux dessert. It's a molten lava cake that you put a spoon into it. We That's what we did on the Today Show. That was so mm-hmm. much fun. Um, the French onion soup gratiné is also really, really, really good. And there's a recent one that I just did. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, well, so I think that was five. It was fine. Five? We'll, we'll rock with it. We'll rock with it. And just so you know, for everyone, you know, she's talked about the Today Show just now. We will put additional links in the description bar so that you guys can just jump all the way in. Okay, so don't worry. I got you, boo. 
we gonna get these. And people. if you're in the um, in, if you're in the DC area and you happen to be here in November, Isis knows it. But this is one perfect example of where my professional life and luxury hotels and my personal life and love of food and wine just really perfectly mixes. Um, is the Georgetown Wine and Dine, and mm -hmm. it's this festival that I get to organize at the Four Seasons with really incredible winemakers, really incredible chefs, and the Thursday night opening cocktail is so cool. So it yes. is. I was there. Okay. Yes, you if you can. need, I'm a witness. You won't be here. <laughs> I won't be here. Well, we don't know just yet. Um, I still have to travel for work. And the, the awesome thing, just in case anyone on the East Coast needs to know this, getting to Europe from the East Coast is very easy. Depending on where you're going, even it's quicker or about the same as going to California. So for any person who's interested in traveling and you're on the East Coast, especially, why haven't mm -hmm. you gone? Just ask yourself that, okay? You have a passport, you're ready to buy the ticket, but you just haven't done it yet. Handle it, okay? Right? <laughs> but thank you so much um, for joining me today. Is there anything you wanna leave with the people where we can support you, show our love a little bit more? Come on. Yes, I mean, come and find me on Instagram at Le Chef's Wife um, and also uh, the blog. Please sign up for the newsletter. You'll be the first one to get the, the recipes every single time, lechefswife.com. And I try to publish every week a new French Riviera inspired recipe. Um, and I do live cooking classes with Alliance Francaise. So yes. have a lot of fun with those and hopefully you can join us for one of those classes as well, Isis. Yeah. Um, you'll yeah. test out your French because we put in a few French words and um, <laughs> it's basically just, uh, you know, sharing love of, French food, French culture, and appreciation of those little moments in life, which Absolutely. I think is really wonderful. All the links will be in the description below. Make sure that you support and show love, especially if you're from the DMV area. You have no excuse, all right? I love you guys, and we're going to go ahead and head to the next segment. Bye. Y'all do not understand how much I love her. Great vibes when we're in person. Um, obviously, when we talk on the phone, just... I absolutely love her, so please make sure you go and support and check her out. But it's the end of the podcast. I can't believe we're rounding this thing out. Oh, my God, it's the first podcast ever, ever. But um, we're actually releasing this episode on a very special day, a day that I don't typically celebrate for foolish reasons um, that I'm excited to say I'm no longer going to allow to be an excuse. But today is my birthday, October 3rd. Yep, it's a thing. And at the end of every podcast, I'm going to do something that is new to you guys, but old to me. Um, I make playlists, music playlists, all the time. Um, it's a love language, honestly, that I share with people who I care about. And I decided to share my music with you all who are listening. Now, this might not sound like a big deal to y'all, but it's a huge deal to me because I never know if people really catch my vibe. I listen to everything, just like in wine, I pretty much drink everything as well. But um, I've decided to do some music playlists and wine pairings. So I am going to kick it off today with something that I made recently. Um, I want you guys to know, just like there are many different styles of wine, there are many different genres and vibes in music. And so my musical taste is all over the place. So if there's a um, you know particular genre or whatever you want to hear, just let me know because you never know. I might have a playlist just for you. Or if there's a wine that you really want me to taste and, you know, have a music pairing with, let me know and I will create it for you. This is my love letter to you guys, thanking you for supporting me throughout the years. 
You know, I'm here out in Paris and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the love and the support and encouragement that I've received from you from the beginning of my wine journey. So without further ado, let me go ahead and let you guys know what this week's music and wine pairing is. So it's my birthday, so we gonna have champagne like we supposed to, okay? But of course, we are gonna add a little jizz to the mix. Shout out to um, Marie Inez Romal. She is the first Afro-Caribbean woman with a champagne brand, Marie Cesar. Okay, hopefully I said that right. <laughs> I'm in France work, I'm working on it, okay? But I wanted to dedicate this week's music pairing with her because of course, whenever you are a woman doing your thing, it's something to celebrate. Yes, it's my birthday. We had to do champagne, so I had to pick someone black and I had to pick a woman because, you know, it's me. But I decided to pair this um, this wine with a playlist called A Black Opera. Opera being a collection of work, a collection of music. And this playlist is definitely special to me because there's a lot of jazz influence, some a lot of covers as well of old classics that I love. Shout out to Erica Badu um, and Jasmina Horn uh, covering Erica, Badu, Erica Badu's song, Green Eyes. That's how we kick this whole entire uh, playlist off. But if you love music, if you love scatting, if you love jazz, if you love true expression of music and emotion and a journey of emotion and love and passion and heartache, you are going to appreciate this playlist. So give it a listen. If you can, go out and find her wine and drink that. But if not, get some champagne, pop bottles, celebrate me, um, and you know, my birthday and being in Paris. Woo woo. So I love you guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. And uh, I will see y'all next week. Okay. Because we all about the quirks next week. <laughs> I love you guys. Bye. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial Song Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Song Podcast. Time to wind down. Swirl that glass. Open up. Swirl that glass, open up If you like how it's feeling, catch the